Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Save big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Today we're going to be talking about the 2014 elections. Mike is with... um, O'Neill and Associates. They are a public opinion firm based in Phoenix. And um, so, Mike, um, we talked before the election. Um, was was this last night what you thought it would be? Um, it was mildly more Republican. I looked at the deviation from between the polling data and the actual results. And uh, it's interesting if you have conspiracy theory, uh, you know, inclinations and you only looked at this year, the electorate was four percent more Republican than the average of all the polls uh, suggested. And this, of course, could be flashed around Fox News and show that the polling industry is a conspiracy against uh the Republicans, however, the last three times there was uh, a uh, a bias of that uh, magnitude. It was a bias against the Democrats. So uh, there essentially is a bunch of random variation. Uh, the the polls are not dead on every single time. The average on the average they're dead on, but in individual elections uh, it fluctuates a little bit, and this case was about as uh, pro-democratic a bias. In other words, the the actual results are about 4% more Republican than expected, and as a result of that, all the races but one that we thought were toss-ups ended up being won by the Republicans. I mean, I got to admit, I was surprised. I mean, races like Georgia, um, North Carolina, a whole bunch of other races um, just really turned out to be one-sided. They did. They did. But now there is a pattern here. And uh, but first of all, let's acknowledge this was a big Republican year. Okay. Yes. Um, They picked up in the House. They picked up surprisingly in uh, gubernatorial races. The gubernatorial races are typically not very strongly associated with subsequent results. For example, Massachusetts for many years has had a strong penchant to elect Republicans uh, to to be governor. The reason I am convinced being, first of all, the people who they elected as governor are very, very moderate to liberal um, governors. Uh, The case in point, uh, uh, Mitt Romney was a very, very um, liberal to moderate uh, governor of Massachusetts. By the way, bore no resemblance whatsoever to the fellow by the name of Mitt Romney, who described himself as an extreme conservative when he ran for president. Those two guys are not living on the same planet. But 
factoid here. Did you notice how many red states, or rather, how many blue states the Republicans won last night? That's amazing. I mean, in terms of the it governorship, one, but... One. They the carried Maine, Susan Collins, the most liberal Republican uh, in the United States Senate, the, the Republican most likely to vote for Democrats, was elected as a Republican in a blue state. Even in this Republican big victory last night, they did not win a single other uh, blue state. They, they, however, won back all of the red states that they had lost before in the 2000, and this is the class of 2008, and they won three out of five uh, toss-up states. And by the way, I'm giving, I'm giving them Louisiana, <laughs> I'm giving them Alaska uh, that, are, that are still in question, but essentially uh, they split the purple states, they won the red states, they only won a single blue state. That, and, and essentially it was a very favorable terrain, uh, it was uh, the class of 2008, a year in which the Democrats won all sorts of Senate races that they had no business winning in a normal year. This was more a reversion to a normal uh, election, at least in the Senate. Although, I mean, I, I was reading some of the analysis in terms of you know, the electoral map. And so the next the next two years favors the Democrats. Um, both in terms of the seats that will be up in the Senate and the fact that it will be an election year turnout, which is, you know, yep. we have this talk about um, that Ron Brownstein talked about a boom and bust coalition. And that, yep. um, and so the Democrats will have the boom coalition behind them and a favorable map in 2016. And then it goes back to um, the flip side in 2018. You have a favorable map for Republicans and a um, the, the year in a midterm turnout, which favors the Republicans. And so would, are we just going to zig, zigzag back and forth the next four years? I, I think that's the, the likely result. I would add to that one other thing, which is if you look at the presidential map, uh, there's still 238 electoral votes locked up uh, for the Democrats. Uh, and uh, absent something really big, it is going to be very, very difficult for the Republicans to carry the presidency. All those, essentially, Republicans are older, they're whiter, they're richer, they're all the folks who vote every time in every election, and the Democrats are, they come and they go. They come in presidential elections, and for the most part, they fade back in uh, off-year elections. Interestingly, the analysis I've seen thus far suggests that uh, among minority voters, the blacks came out and voted this time, but the Hispanics did not. <laughs> why, why do you suppose that is? Was that a, a failure of the, the GOTV effort? Um, or were uh, blacks just turning out higher because of the um, um, voter suppression efforts? I, I think voter suppression is one possible theory. I think it's also the one group. They, the, the Republicans turned this as a referendum attacking Barack Obama, and I think that the, the black voters were the one group for whom that ended up being a motivating factor to come out and to vote in effect for him. Uh, it, 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 so, it, so the anomaly was that black voters did come out. The more normal situation is that Hispanic voters did not, uh, and minority voters, in particular, younger voters and lower income voters, are the ones who who are very much the surge in decline. They they come out in presidential years, and they don't come out other than that. And that's that that's the, the, you know based on the limited information that's come out so far that appears to be what happened this time very very few voters switch their votes from one election to the next where there is a huge difference however is in the constituency that votes and basically you had a whole lot of democrats staying home and that gave you the result that you got this time
So, I mean, this it's an interesting thought because Democrats somehow thought that they found the magic juice in 2012, that um, they had now had discovered they had digitized, you know, get out the vote efforts. And now that they had the identified who the voters were, they were going to bring them to the polls every time. And we were now in this, you know, descendant Democratic era. I think digitization. <laughs> I think digitization allowed the get out the vote efforts to reach voters, but you still have to convince them to do it, and you can't digitize that because that's human behavior. And um, although, <laughs> well, and, and let me add to that. With by a lot the, of by the way, marketers they they would argue even that that can be digitized. But um, now, one thing that it strikes me. And I've often argued is that I do not understand why we and I'm glad that we at least have done it for the presidential election. We have formalized debates you know, basically every every year since um, you know, the first Carter Ford debates, um, you know, we have had a, a institutionalized and, and, and actually a formal committee now um, that runs that process. And so it is guaranteed, although each candidate has to agree and there's usually some negotiation, that that will happen in the presidential debate. I mean, I guarantee you, you know, Hillary or whoever will be you know, debating against, you know, whoever is on the Republican side. Um, why, you know, the issues are no less important on the off years. I mean, why isn't there any effort, in, especially if you're Obama and you feel that you're losing this election, why not nationalize it? Why not have debates? I, that's something that I just never understood. You mean debates at the national level or, yes, or debates I mean, basically, at the state uh, level? If I, saw, if I saw what was going on, uh, one you know, overriding national debate so everyone can watch. Because um, you know, if I'm Obama and I'm seeing this, this map I'm facing being very hostile and seeing the numbers not looking so hot, I, you know, I would challenge Mitch McConnell or challenge Boehner. Say, okay. I mean, well, I'm not so sure that Obama is the one because, frankly, they made points. Because we had a, a president with uh, uh, approval ratings in the lower 40s, and to the extent that the Republicans made Obama the issue, they won. Uh, the I, I think, frankly, not so much Obama himself, where I think the Democrats really blew it, was in allow not so much in in the failure to embrace Obama himself, but his policies. For example. They allowed, They did not respond at, at so many levels. We've had 63 straight months of economic expansion. Is that bad? We've no. had the longest period of private sector job creation in American history. You know, they, but, the, but the, oh, economy bad, economy bad. Unemployment was 10.1%. It's now 5.9%. Stock market is at... At new records, the budget has shrunk by two thirds since 2000. All this stuff, but I didn't hear Democrats saying that. They no. they they said, oh, you know, uh, oh. so Republicans said economy bad. The Democrats did not respond to that, and for that matter, Obamacare. They 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 ran against Obamacare, and they have turned it into a dirty word. What the Democrat response should have been is, now what part of Obamacare don't you like? Do you, do you not like the fact that uh, you can now keep your kid on your policy till you're 26? Do you not like the fact that if you have pre-existing conditions, you can now get health care? Do you not like the fact that 40,000 Americans per year died because of lack of health care, according to a Harvard School of Public Health study? <laughs> you know, what part of Obamacare do you not like? And the answer was just one thing. Mandate. Right. We, we didn't, you know, public didn't like the mandate. They like every other aspect of Obamacare, but they don't. But the Republicans were able to turn that into a dirty word. But I and I fault not the Republicans because they were making their case. The Democrats completely wimped out by not responding to it and not owning it. Right. The Democrats and, and, failed to own what they did, and therefore, when the Republicans said Obamacare bad, economy bad, the Democrats just just sort of ran away and hid, as a as opposed to making their case. And and, and, uh, and, and that's, I think, a problem that they've had consistently. Consistently, you know, they, yes. 
And yeah, I mean, it, it, basically, to take something like uh, the healthcare thing, own it. Because you know what? You're going to have to own it anyway. You're going to have to own the mandate. You're going to have to own the, the few negative parts that there are. But polling consistently showed that about 90% of what the uh, ACA did, the public supports. Yet the Republicans, through consistent messaging, were able to turn it into a dirty word. And, and remember, by the way, remember, Obamacare was in existence in 2012 when the president was able to win a near landslide, you know, although, and they although, still kept at it. Paul Ryan's talking points were, well, we're seeing what happened. You know, Obamacare hadn't been implemented. Now it has. And the people have spoken. I mean, that's the talking point. But what struck me, I mean, a moment, a key moment in the campaign, I thought was, um, you know, Grimes in Kentucky when she refused to say whether she even voted for Obama. I mean, you know, you're and a it Democrat. It just wasn't credible. It, you know, she was trying to not to be associated with a president who is mildly unpopular. And it wasn't credible. It, it just looks ridiculous. Well, if he didn't vote for him, then why of do you... Of course she voted. Yeah. Of course she voted for Obama. And and so if, if you know, it's sort of that which is obvious, own it. Because yes, nobody's I mean, going to believe... I bet you her campaign tailspin you know, started then if it didn't start sooner. And you know, I'm just, struck. Again, the consistent theme on all of that is she looks wimpy. Everybody yes. knew she voted for Obama. Say so. Of course yeah. I voted for him. There's a great... Um, now, I vote. don't agree with every single thing that he's done, and let me tell you where I disagree with him. Bingo. Fine. Bingo. There's, no. there's a great book, um, The Natural, Joel Klein did on the Clinton years, and he has a great quote. Um, he won't say who in the Bush family said it, but you know, one, you know, one of the senior members of the Bush family, which probably means Papa Bush, but it could have been, could have been Jeb, said, you know, in watching the 2000 race between Gore and you know, then Governor Bush, you know, they didn't understand why Gore at some point didn't say, you know, excuse me, Governor, but what exactly is your problem with peace and prosperity? What part of it don't you like? And, you know, and that's exactly <laughs> your point here. You know, what is it about, you know, giving, making people giving access to health care you don't like? What is it about a recovering economy you don't like? So, um Yep, and, and again, you could have done that with Obamacare as well. Uh, yes. Long list of things that are a component of that program that people like. And, and a couple of things they don't. The main one just being mandated. We don't like mandate. In effect, you know, at a, at a national level, uh, this country does have a problem of we want a free lunch. We want everything that the ACA has. We don't want the mandate, which was the, the one thing that paid for it. But we don't have free lunches here because we have to take a break for our sponsors. But we'll be right back. More on our uh, special um, Cyberlawn Business Report post-election report with Mike O'Neill. After these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services, ppcprofessionals.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back with our special edition, a post-mortem of the Republican landslide last night in um, 2014. And um, so, Mike, obviously... the, the election, the news media will take a whole thirty seconds to report the uh, the results from last night before they jump into twenty sixteen. We actually waited twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is your thought now? Who, I mean, I hear that you know Hillary's a winner from last night because basically anyone who could have emerged as a potential challenger um, lost. Um, I'm hearing a lot of winners from last night on the Republican side, obviously Walker in Wisconsin, Kasich in Ohio, Christie in New Jersey, and Rand Paul in um, space. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what are your thoughts? Well, let me start with the easy stuff. Uh, 2016, let's look at the House of Representatives, okay? Uh, that is owned lock, stock, and barrel by the Republicans until at least 2022, you know, and, until and after that, the next be, census. Is that because of redistricting? Basically, Democrats Absolutely. have to... Okay. Absolutely. You know, the Republicans won last night, and they're gaining seats. But uh, two years ago, the Democrats won a majority of votes cast for the House of Representatives. They still lost the House. Uh, they're not getting any higher than that. The re- Democrats have almost zero prospects for regaining the House until the next redistricting. The second most easy thing to project is the Senate. The landscape uh, two years from now is way, way more favorable. If you give the Republicans, the red states, the Democrats, the blue states, and then look at the purple states. um, Why don't we um, try to bring Mike back in um, and take a... uh, I hear you. Um, You don't hear me. I'm not hearing you. Is there? Are you a headset, or can you get? Um, no, I'm I'm on a landline, and and I hear you just fine. Okay, I hear you fine now. Just yeah, just rub your t- stomach and tap your head. Maybe that'll help. Okay, we'll see how <laughs> how how that works with high technology. I think where I was was at the Senate. Yeah, the landscape um, is massively better for the Democrats. I what what my arithmetic says if we get the same election we got this time. There's no doubt in my mind that the Republicans, gain, uh, Democrats gain back seat. It's probably touch and go whether it gives them a majority. But the Senate's in play. The House is Republican. But if you look at the uh, Democratic wall of 238 electoral votes, you've got to give an ed, uh, edge to the Democrats in the presidential race. Uh, so... Uh, the mo- almost most certain thing that we end up with in for the next four years is divided government. So does that mean, you know, is that an argument for Chris Christie, you know, Chris, Mr. Um, sit down and shut up Christie, <laughs> um, because he can say, Hey, I've won in blue States. I'm from the Northeast. I can cut in, um, the democratic base. Well, there's two kind of Republicans. There's the kind who wants to win. That argument appeals to them. Then there is the uh, the, the uh, Tea Party element, and they want to be right. They want to be far right, and they're more oblivious. They, they actually are convinced. Their mantra goes like this. We, we put in a McCain. We put in a Romney. They were half-baked semi-Republicans. We need a real Republican in order to win, and that is not the real Ronald Reagan, but their the conjured-up image of, right. what the, of what Ronald Reagan was, and they are convinced that they need a real conservative in order to win. I think they're so, wrong, but they really believe that, and there's a fight for the soul of the Republican Party between those two groups. And, and so who who has the edge for that battle? Is it Scott Walker? Is it Kasich? Is it Rand Paul? 
can either of them? I, I mean, Rand I, Paul seems to be the the guy who seems to get the most talk. Rand Paul is a very, very, he's the most interesting guy to listen to because he's got a lot of elements of his father. He's not as libertarian, hands-off in the foreign policy aspect. He's, he's more inclined to military adventurism than his father was. Uh, but, uh, you know, a genuine libertarian is kind of an interesting guy. He's, for, I saw him making comments the other day about, hey, the Republicans have made a mistake in terms of voter suppression. We shouldn't do that. I said, wow, I didn't hear any other Republicans say right. that. No, that's... Um, so his style has some very, but, but it's going to also be very discomforting. The libertarian strain is not going to go over very well with social conservatives because he doesn't care what, a whole lot what goes on in your bedroom. Right. Uh, and there's a whole lot of Republicans who do. And plus he's a doctor, so I mean, he doesn't come from that perspective. Um, yep. And so who would be the, who's the social conservative sweetheart then? I mean, I, Scott Walker oh, or Huckabee? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Huckabee, certainly Santorum is still kicking around. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of folks who, who go that way. And they'll be fighting, the, you know, the, the, first of all, yeah, somebody will fight. And, you know, that social conservative group will, uh, that'll get you second place at least in the Republican <laughs> primary. And it'll get you to the finals. It may not win. Uh, I think the economic guys probably still run the place, but, uh, you know, somebody is going to try to, you know, at least satisfy the, the social conservatives. As, for example, George W. Bush did. He, he was good enough for them and very good for the economic conservatives, and he looked like he was going to win. So, well, you, uh, well, you used the four-letter word, um, so let's stick with it. What about Jeb? About what, Jeb? You used the four-letter uh, word, yeah, Bush. Jeb? So what about Jeb? Oh, the Bush word. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to remember which four-letter word I <laughs> used there. Uh, Bush is a very interesting guy. I, I think to a lot of people, he's the, you know, he's the, the brighter of the brothers. Um, he, uh, he has a Hispanic wife. That uh, and frankly, he doesn't have the he, he has more verbal ability than his brother. You know, he, he sounds to to most people's ears a lot more like his father than his brother. Right. I think he's a very attractive Republican candidate. I think there are, of course, people who would go nuts over the prospect of another Bush Clinton election. Do we need that as a country? Um, you know, we're, or we we have this notion that we shouldn't have hereditary politics. Um, He's certainly in the mix. Um, you know, he's, there are people who are going to out-tea party him for sure. On the social conservative side, there are people who are going further there. Uh, the Republican issue is there's 12 or 15 names you could throw out, and uh, none of them uh, is the least bit inevitable. The best thing that George W. Bush had going for him was the perception of inevitability, and no one has that at this point. And he he locked you know, he lined up everyone early to you know to, to make that happen. Now, um, yep. You know, in terms of you know 2016 predictions, you know I'm I'm very dismissive of them. And, and as I was in 2012 and in 2008, just because of my experience, you know, I got involved with Clinton in 1991, and um, no one saw us, no one gave us a chance. I mean, a thousand different times we were cut out dead. Everyone was saying it was going to be Cuomo, it was going to be someone else. And then, you know, on, on November, um, whatever it was, you know, we were standing tall and we won. So, um, you know, it is a long, strange, twisted road, and you never know who's going to emerge at the right time. And uh, so, um, which actually gives us a good transition. We're going to take a, a short break, but when we come back, we're going to have um, Dr. Laura Brown joining us. And uh, Laura Brown is um, with Georgetown, um, excuse me, with George Washington University's um, Center on um political management and um, but Laura and I actually um, worked together on the, the Clinton 96 campaign so um, there's a little segue there but we're going to take a short break we come back we'll have we'll add Wonk to, um, to Mike and uh, we'll get a full view of what's coming what happened and what's going to happen next um, in this special election the post-election edition of Cyber Law and Business Report 
Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Catherine Drew. U.S. President Barack Obama has invited leaders of Congress to the White House for talks later this week after the Republicans made sweeping gains in America's midterm elections. From January, they will control both houses of Congress after seizing control of the U.S. Senate by capitalizing on widespread voter disappointment in the president. FSN's Washington correspondent Simon Marks reports. It's the morning after the night before in American politics and for Barack Obama. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly. He was in the Cyber Law and Business Report. And um, just before the break, um, we talked about 2016 and the unpredictability of uh, presidential races. And Mike, you had a comment on that. Yeah, I did. It's just an opportunity, I think, to uh, give appropriate homage to the great political philosopher of our time, Yogi Berra. It is difficult to predict, especially the future. (laughs) And with that comment, um, you know, I mentioned before the break that we'll bring on Dr. Laura Brown. Um, She's with the um, George Washington University School of Political Management. Laura, are you with us? I am. And um, Laura is a, so we go way back, um, farther back than we procure to admit. But Laura, what did you make of uh, last night? Well, I think that what you see is that the country is really tired of Washington. I mean, a lot of anti-incumbent sentiment uh, was present in the electorate. Um, but there's no doubt that this was a president's sixth year midterm. And that is always a difficult one for presidents. And in this case, um, Obama's approval rating was not in a good place, and many of his fellow partisans lost. So how much of the blame goes to President Obama? 
Um, I, I think a lot goes to the Democrats' overall strategy. And what I mean by that... I'm sorry, there was a strategy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think w- what I mean by that is that uh, Majority Leader Harry Reid really needed to um, schedule more opportunities for those vulnerable Democrats in southern states to be able to vote against the president. He did not do that. They were looking to protect Obama from having to take vetoes should uh, things actually pass Congress. And there was just essentially an entire mindset that a lot of what worked in 2012 would work again. Um, But it's really a a statement of running the last war and um, thinking about it, about politics in the past, not really about where they are now. And and so what, how, what is your perception for looking forward for 2016? Do Democrats need to regroup or is this, you know, while we, everyone's talking about Ron Brownstein's boom and bust coalition, you know, do Democrats just say, okay, well, that, that was a road game. 2016's a home game. We're going to win. Well, I think that would be foolish. I think there is a reality if you look at the exit polls. Um, Americans are really tired of both parties. They don't trust either party. And when it comes to presidential elections, um, since 1952, each party has only held the White House for two terms, with the exception of Bush Sr., who essentially won a third term of Ronald Reagan. So... But the due to an awful campaign by Dukakis. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the truth is, is that the Democrats are the underdogs going into 2016 in terms of being able to capture the White House from a historical perspective. And while they are more together um, and they have sort of many more technological um, sort of tools at their disposal, I would argue that if they don't learn from this loss, um, they may be facing another one. Here's, here's an interesting quote from The Guardian, uh, economist Gary Young, who said, according to a CNN exit poll, 8 in 10 Americans disapprove of how Congress has handling, been handling its job, while well, almost 6 in 10 are displeased with President Obama. A full 40% have a positive view of Democrats, 40% have a positive view of Republicans. Americans just elected the party they like the least to run the bo- government body they trust the least. Even greater cynicism is the most likely outcome. Um, well, again, I, I mean, this really speaks to the fact that both parties' brands have um, taken huge hits over the last year. And really, so much of this dates back to um, a year ago, October, when first you saw the Republicans lead a shutdown, and then you saw essentially President Obama and his administration roll out and a healthcare website that was filled with problems and questions. So you essentially have had the American people lose trust in the governing ability of both uh, parties. This is why we have record numbers of independents, and it's also why Democrats had such a difficult time trying to turn out their vote yesterday. But I don't think that Democrats should ignore the fact that their margins among uh, Hispanics um, were down from where they have been over the last couple cycles. They were even down um, among whites and African Americans. And in fact, they lost the Asian vote last night. Um, so there are certainly some problems for them. Young people um, did not split anywhere near the way that they split in 2008 or 2012. So the Democrats have work to do. And, um, and it wasn't only vote split, it was also turnout with all of those groups in particular. Absolutely. I mean, I think part of the reason why turnout was down, though, among those groups is because there is a great sense of disillusionment. There's that was, sense that the party didn't address their issues. Was it down relative yep. to the prior midterm? Uh, yes. That is a problem. So not not relative to 2010, but certainly when you look at, at like 2006 or even 2002. Right. Um, Although 2006, you had the huge backlash over Iraq. And um, 
But so, who, Laura, who do you see as emerging as winners out of this debacle? Well, oddly enough, um, the person who emerges as a winner, which uh, surprised me, is Governor Chris Christie. But that partly because the one... Sit down and shut up! Yeah, no, I mean, the one thing that I anticipated last night, which did not come true, was that um, the Republicans were essentially overexposed in um, the governor's races across the country because most of the governors who had won had won in 2010. They were up for re-election. Democrats should have picked up um, gubernatorial seats yesterday. In fact, the net, um, they ended up losing a net of three. Republicans won in Massachusetts and Maryland um, at the gubernatorial level. They were not able uh, to knock uh, Rick Scott off in Florida or Scott Walker in Wisconsin. I think those are... Or even Brownback in Kansas, one of the least popular governors in the country. Absolutely. I mean, these are, I think, major losses for the Democrats. And Chris Christie, who is chair of the Republican Governors Association, I think ends up looking pretty good. So one one thing I just wanted to interject, um, you know, earlier in the year we had a, uh, we hosted on this show. And for those of you who recall our Silicon Beach debate that we had earlier in the year, um, featuring all the candidates for the open seat being vacated by Congressman Waxman, um, including Ted Lieu and Elon Carr, the two people who were in the runoff. Ted Lieu won um, the seat, um, hands down, and so he will be taking the seat. But... Um, it's interesting in terms of the tech um, races, one sentence people were looking at was Mark Udall um, because he'd been very vocal about um, NSA reform and um, you know, he took a beating. Does, does that mean anything on that issue or was it just other issues that were affecting it? Well, I mean, I think when you look at that overall race, um, that race ended up really pivoting on and turning around women's issues and um, even one of Mark Udall's supporters um, in the last sort of day of the campaign actually voiced um, at a rally a desire for Udall to sort of not talk about women's issues anymore and to discuss the other things he supported. Um, That probably would have been a wise um, choice for him to make, but many of the Democrats at the Senate level did not do those things. In fact, Chris Van Hollen came out today, um, you know, who essentially is in the House and is their um, one of the minority uh, whips. And he essentially said, you know, Democrats in the House did focus more on the economy, did focus on more of those kind of bread and butter issues, which include um, in California, certainly tech jobs and um, sort of technology policy at the national level, but at the Senate level, we didn't see that. And Chris is actually a law school classmate of mine um, who got elected by beating um, Maria Shriver's cousin. And uh, Maria Shriver's, Shriver's brother actually lost yesterday here in California um, running for LA County Supervisor, Board of Supervisors. Now, um, who should run in 2016 but probably won't? Oh, that's a great question. Because um, I, mean, I remember that was it Dale Bumpers that that quote about anyone who would who wants the office should have, you know is it automatically disqualified because you got to be crazy to want it. Um, yeah. Hey, I got an I got an answer for that one. Okay, and she's the senior senator from Massachusetts. Uh, there's a lot of people you know trying to egg her on to run. Yep, yep. Uh, you talking about Warren, I take it. Yeah, you bet I am. And uh, essentially, it would be a replay of 2008 in that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton could potentially have some problems with Democrats who are a little bit put off by her propensity to uh, have a militaristic notions in foreign policy. And, and on that point, have we ever elected a cackler? Elected what a what? A cackler. You ever heard her laugh? <laughs> oh, a well, cackler. I would say that, you know, Thomas Jefferson actually did not have a very good speaking voice. 
his voice was very <laughs> high and squeaky. So, um, but his television was, commercials were great, weren't they? Um, you know, so I mean, I do think that one of the things that I would argue to any Democrat is, quite frankly, they should jump into the race if for no other reason than that Hillary Clinton is going to, if she becomes the nominee, need to pick a vice presidential um, running mate. And typically you want someone who has essentially run the gauntlet with you already because they then know all of your issues, they know your position, they've had some time in the national spotlight, and they don't essentially implode um, when, you know, the focus kind of turns to them. And you I know, I, I, I think of the, the, the Elizabeth Warren thing. I said, if she weren't a woman, she would be odds-on favorite to be the vice presidential selection. Right. But I, I think uh, uh, Hillary Clinton would be reluctant to have an all, you know, the first female presidential uh, nominee to have an all-female uh, ticket, she might just think that that's a bit much. You know, I, I also, this is the right analogy, but I, mean, I think that the, the Tom Brady, you know, for years was a, a backup quarterback for the Patriots, and then, you know, their star quarterback gets injured, and he just jumps in and, um, you know, takes off and, you know, does wonderfully and, and is a legend. Um, you know, but had Drew Bledsoe not got injured, you know, who knows what would have happened to him. And you know, in a presidential race, you never know what could happen. You, you see races and people, politicians implode all the time. Who could have predicted Gary Hart would have collapsed? And, and so, um, you know, why not get in and, you know, just to get the exposure and, and stick around for a while and see what happens? And there's also the other right. issue that, um, long term, you know, should the Democrats, in fact, lose 2016 because of sort of the historical um, patterns, you would want to have a farm team set up for 2020. Um, you know, if Senator, you know, and Secretary of State Clinton manages to basically run with no real primaries and win the nomination and then she loses a general election... Um, the Democratic bench looks very weak. And I also think it's to, to a disadvantage. I think I thought McCain was hurt by the fact that um, once you have the race locked up, you get no coverage. Everyone was covering Hillary and Barack. And so that just added to the kind of sexiness momentum Obama had going into the convention, and then McCain didn't. So we only have about and five we just had, we just. We just had a perfect manifestation of that here in the state of Arizona where the Democratic uh, candidate was able to scare off all of his primary opponents. And the Republicans had a free-for-all nomination fight. And, uh, you know, the Republican here won handily, beating even the registration spread, which is already Republican. Is that for governor? Uh, You you have a fight. Yes, for governor. You get, you get out there, and unless, I mean, there's always the risk of it getting extremely nasty, and you get hurt by that, but you get the kinks worked out of your system, and you get your name recognition out. All right, we only have about five minutes left. Um, Mike, you first. Tell us you know, about your, your, your organization and your, your quick prediction for 2016. Uh, uh, our organization, we do opinion research. Most of that work now is done in the legal arena. We do expert testimony work and do uh, surveys for litigation purposes. A lot of them are in employment law, but it also includes trademark and other kinds of things. And I think I gave you the prediction before. Uh, 2016 is going to look different. I think that among the other factors, high likelihood that the Republicans over-interpret and uh, overplay their hand and look for war within the Republican ranks for the soul of the Republican Party. Is this a Tea Party or is this a mainstream kind of business conservative party? They have yet to fight that one out. Yeah, and I think parties love to cannibalize themselves. That's the awful part about the primary process. Laura, tell us about your wonderful work at George Washington. Well, in fact, our program is really, I joke that it's the school for political junkies, because really what we do is we give uh, graduate degrees in 
political management, which essentially amounts to learning all about how to run campaigns and do everything from polling to fundraising to, um, you know, creating television advertisements and learning about what it means to be a digital director. So we just, in fact, had um, five of our alumni uh, win offices across the country last night, and we had many more alumni spread throughout um, the ranks of the political world. And it's great to be involved with it. It's fun to sort of be at this nexus of both academic political science and practitioner politics. Okay, 2016, Um, prediction. My 2016, I will tell you that the person I am most interested in watching only because it would most upset the current political structure is Rand Paul. And he is really, he is well positioned to do well in Iowa. He's well sort of suited for New Hampshire. In fact, he's got a great deal of name recognition and support in South Carolina. So well, unfortunately, he's he has a lot of ties to white supremacist groups, which really disturbs me. But, um, so, but we only and yet have a few he's been working with Cory Booker on prison reform. Well, they, <laughs> that sounds good, but, um, you know, they actually have been, when um, Anonymous hacked into um, some of the documents from Rand Paul and Ron Paul and kind of showed some of the, the communications that went stormfront in some of the other organizations. But, um, so, um, we have on our blog at um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, we have profiles of both Mike and Laura. Um, be sure to check them out, include the links to their websites. And I want to thank you both. It's always been a thrill talking to you. Um, unfortunately, you know, our, our team didn't, didn't carry the day, but, um, you know, there's, there's always next year, it sounds like. But, um, Hope you'll come back again, and um, and I want to thank. It's been a great um, show. Um, stay tuned. Um, we'll be having um, a number of uh, interviews with um, leading authors, courtesy of the Miami Book Fair. Um, and uh, so, hope you'll be listening to us and as throughout November as we talk to some of these really interesting authors. Um, so, I want to thank everyone. Um, hope you voted, and um, definitely stay tuned. Be an interesting two years ahead. Um, this is Bennett Kelly with the Cyberlaw Business Report, broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center in the here in the heart of Silicon Beach. Check us out at the InternetLawCenter.net. And until then, um, quarters adjourned. We will see you next week back here. Be safe. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.